0: So I'm here with uh, Eva Murray. Uh, she was a volunteer in Nigeria. Uh, She's a number of placements, but the, the first one, I guess, was uh, 1978 to 1980. Um, and we're here at the QSO VSO 50th Anniversary Celebration. And uh, Eva, thanks for joining me today. And what can you tell me about your experience in Nigeria?
1: Uh, well, maybe we should start with my volunteer experience. I had been uh, an elementary school teacher for 10 years and decided to go back to school and finish off a, a degree in sociology it was kind of restless my professional life was in limbo my personal life was a bit of a mess and I thought, and I've always thought about QSO and so I thought here's my chance so I applied uh, uh, at the Kingston office, uh, at the Queen's Atlanta University, University Atlanta. office, and with my background as a, uh, an elementary school teacher, they thought a you, teacher example, training placement would be people most people suitable. Can so can there were two, two options, Nigeria um, or Papua New Guinea. And part of so the sheer to. So, um, so timing that I went to Nigeria because you know, uh, people went in August rather than in January, and I was ready to go. And I thought... Oh, Nigeria. That's yeah. not really where I want to go. I wanted to go to the Caribbean. Why were they not sending me to Antigua or Barbados? Why Nigeria? But the day I stepped off the plane, I never looked back. It was just a fabulous experience.
0: That's great. Yeah. What were you doing uh, while you were there? And who? What was? What was the organization you were working with?
1: Uh, in Nigeria. In Nigeria. Uh, it yes. was one um, uh, one of the state ministries of education. So all of us were employed by state. Ministries, and mine was in Bauchi State in the northeast part of Nigeria, and so many of us arrived that year. I can't even recall, but we were around a hundred. And then once we landed in Kano, uh, we went to either the north or the south, and uh, then after several days of language and cultural training, we dispersed to our various state capitals. So our title, our very official title, was. Uh, education officer but we were either secondary school teachers or teacher trainers and I happened to go to a teacher training college
0: and so, what what were some of the what was a typical day like in Nigeria?
1: It started very early in the morning, really early, uh, with the uh, you know the roosters crowing and the sun shining into my window, and school started um, before seven. I think we were ready for assembly by six forty five, and we had to start early because of the heat. One, and
0: well, and the sun comes up at 6 a.m. and goes down at yeah, 6 p.m.
1: Exactly. So it was really quite warm already. So, assembly first thing, and then classes started around 7 o'clock. And we went until 2 and had a break. And uh, I actually slept every afternoon. Then, around 5 o'clock, we, um, uh, 5 o'clock, uh, games began. Games, activities, clubs. And we all went back to the school. And we because we lived on a compound, we were really connected to each other each other as, as staff and to all the students because it was a residential uh, teacher training college. All the classes were in English and uh, yeah and then the evening we left around 7 and that's when cooking started and the evening meal started always when it was very cool.
0: Uh, what was your home, your living arrangement like? It was
1: pretty nice actually because the particular village that I was in, Kaltungo um, had a m- Right there. The Christian Mission Hospital and School. And so the, the house was pretty comfortable, uh, very traditionally planned in that uh, there was cross ventilation, so there were windows in the front and windows in the back, and every room had a ceiling fan, so we were never too uncomfortable. The, the wind circulated through the house. Um, I joined another CUSO volunteer who was in her second year. And we each had our own bedroom, we had a kitchen, a but, dining room, I mean, where, where basic, comfortable exactly furniture, and uh, what I have is uh, not exactly what it was quite fine. But, A little challenge with water. Uh, So the water was, uh, uh, it it was turned on actually for about one hour a day. And during that hour, we filled all our buckets and our pots and our containers. And and, uh, then it went off. And uh, every once in a while when there was a problem, water was shipped in into holding tanks. So we had a little bit of reserve all the time. And electricity came on for about three hours every evening. So from, you know, seven to ten. And that's when we could do things. That's when we could do our reading and marking and whatever we had to do in the evening.
0: Wow, that's great. Yeah. What were some of your favorite your your favorable experiences?
1: Oh, there are so many. Um, first of all, I would say connecting, I hate to start with this, but I will say it, connecting to other Canadians of like mind, that was really very important. And so when we got together, we always knew that we were talking the same language, which was very different from being in Canada. So there was a link to some really interesting Canadians. Thank you very much. And, Uh, but I think probably more importantly uh, connecting to our Nigerian colleagues, Mm -hmm. the teachers and at the time uh, there were a number of expatriate teachers from many other uh, developing countries, uh, India, Pakistan um, the Philippines so connecting to people of yet another culture and then uh, connecting again to our students, Uh, because they were on the compound we, we became really very close, of course there were the boundaries between teacher and student but um, that was good and at the time 78 to 80 two CUSO volunteers could probably afford a Volkswagen Beetle one person couldn't so um, there was a Beetle there and one person went and then I came and bought into the the Beetle so that gave us a little bit of access to get to villages and to travel and to actually get to see where the students lived and uh, uh, that was really important and it helped us get around and see the country. Otherwise, we could have done it by public transport. So there's a little bit of comfort. But you know, a couple of years later, beetles were not affordable anymore. Yeah. So I was very lucky.
0: That's great. What, what, can you tell me something? Some of your challenges while you were there?
1: I think the challenge is a little bit illness. Never so much to really wipe me out for too long. But had the usual things, all the usual gastrointestinal problems. Uh, but there was uh, it was there was a good side to that. I lost a whole pile of weight, and I looked better than I'd ever looked before. Um, and a little bit of malaria. And I think that the malaria, even though we took medication, it's kind of like getting the flu here in Canada. When you burn the candle at both ends, and you're tired, and, you know, the uh, the malaria parasite is in you. And so that wasn't very comfortable, but we knew the cycle. It was, you know, a certain number of days, and you felt like crap, and then you felt better, and then suddenly we had new energy. So a little bit of illness. Um, I think uh, some of the dangers on the road were a bit of a challenge Uh, some of the driving was a bit unsafe so we were very careful when driving and when we were in public transportation I always kind of hoped we'd get to our destination safely
0: that's always interesting Any any other kind of social challenges that you encountered in in your work
1: not really in fact uh, I would say the the social aspect was really very positive very favourable um We didn't run into any kind of um, questioning of why we were there and who we were. Uh, People tended to treat us very uh, respectfully. Every once in a while uh, there there might be a question, who are you, why are you here, what are you doing and why are you teaching, don't we have enough of our own teachers? And when we explained that we were volunteers, they said, oh my goodness, you don't have to be here, you chose to be here. And I rem- so um, once that was acknowledged, uh, there, there was a really positive outlook to what we were doing and that we were not there actually to take anybody's job away from them mm. but to support and, and fill in gaps. And at the time, we, we really were filling in um, uh, personnel gaps in, in colleges and hospitals and wherever. Right
0: there. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Sorry to... Do you... Do you feel any... I mean, I know you've done yeah, okay. more than just that this one you. placement in Nigeria, but oh, okay. uh, as a re- maybe as a... Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, if you can comment on all of them as a collective, do you feel... How do you feel... Different at all
1: Oh absolutely I um, you know I filled out one of the postcards that's lying upstairs um, at this event and uh, I said it's life-changing it, it is abso- it changed my life it changed my worldview my perspective on things and you know when you first go over I tend to be a little uh, cocky and know it all, and you know had this educational experience and this work experience and I'm here to uh, to help fix things. And it didn't take me long to realize that that was not my job to fix things. It was to bring another perspective. And then I came home with another perspective. And um, you know, uh, I think one of the challenges, and that was I think more when I was a field staff officer, when we had uh, Canadian uh, volunteers, and they started to question their role there. What are we doing here? Why are we here? Um, What's our purpose? And sometimes challenging the way things were done. Maybe levels a little bit levels of corruption as they saw in their communities. So,
0: yeah, dry eyes. There
1: was an opportunity then to (laughs) dig deeper, deeper and deeper, into the root causes of why things are what they are. And I remember at one point when I was a field staff officer and we had a really... talented and perceptive board member and he was a sociologist from the University of Lagos and we invited him to come to one of our CUSO annual meetings and said let's address this problem and dig deeper to the roots of inequality and so on and it was really quite a wonderful conference, I think we spent a half an hour on that theme, just digging deeper below the surface on why things are the way they are and so I, hopefully some of the, the volunteers at the time went away with a better perspective, a different perspective.
0: Questions I've been asking a lot today is uh, for for the next generation of, of volunteers, whether they be CUSO VSO or otherwise. What's some of the advice that you would you would try and impart upon us or them?
1: Okay. Well, I hope the opportunities are there because uh, you know, from CUSO's origin, there there's a real opportunity to go abroad, uh, to go and experience and and work. Um, uh, so I hope. First of all, the opportunities are there. They may be different now than they were in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. They're already starting to be different in the late 90s when I I came home finally, as we used to say in Nigeria. I came home finally. So words of advice. Um, Think of it as much as a learning experience as an opportunity to contribute your skills, knowledge, um, and know-how. So you have... You have information that may help
0: whether you're with an organization
1: or a group, you have information that may help them do things differently. Don't think that you're going there to make things better and fix things. But you have insight and can offer something. And then to be patient and people will take from you what they need. And you, at the same time, should learn and take back something that will enrich your own life. Oh, shit.
0: An excellent piece of piece of advice. How do you how do you balance that teaching and learning aspect? How do you how do you make sure that relationships are reciprocal?
1: Well, I think sometimes the learning is the most painful part. It's when uh, I always learned when I put my foot in my mouth at the wrong time, or said something at the wrong time, or walked into a group with an attitude that I knew differently and better, and was told um, uh, that it wasn't. So I think my learning first was always a painful experience and uh, maybe I took the time to reflect a little and think about what that was all about and then after a while it became a little less painful I think. I started to deal with it uh, more at an intellectual level but at first it was all gut level. You know, I made mistakes and I learned.
0: Thank you very much, uh, Eva, for sharing your story today, and thank you for your service, uh, and enjoy the rest of the celebration today. It's a
1: great event. Thank you.